You are listening to episode 37 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. 37? In a row? Warning. Spoilers for Moby Dick ahead. And welcome to episode 37 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and today I am Buzz Boy. That's because <laughs> I am I am drinking right now a uh, Millennium Buzz beer. And mm. uh, this is a, a hemp beer out of uh, British Columbia. And it is really, really good. A hemp yeah. beer. Yes. Wow. He's going to have the munchies halfway through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's from a brewery, and I, I'll give them a plug, even though they've paid nothing. Uh, call, uh, the the, uh, the brewery is cool is cool beer www.coolbeer.com or one triple eight eight four four cool. <laughs> I actually Sweet. discovered this the other day. I was uh, I, I was out with uh, with friend of the show Filthy McMonkey and uh, we uh, we ordered. Uh, they they went through the list and it was like, ooh, the Buzz beer sounds interesting, and it was. <laughs> so there we have it. There you go. I am Darren Noel, and I am um, well. Let's let's call it what it is. I am Landed the Lost Boy, <laughs> and the reason why I'm Landed the Lost Boy, you know, the movie came out, yeah, and and the reviews have universally been crappy. Oh. Um, I, I haven't gone to it yet, but I was I was looking at everything online, and I was reading that Wesley Yuri, <laughs> who played Wesley on the show, right. back in the seventies. Came out of the closet recently. There you go. Mm. Who knew? I certainly he apparently didn't had a relationship with Richard Chamberlain. Mm. Who knew? Wow! Wow! Yeah, I know. So, uh, so here's to you, Wesley, wherever you are, and um, thank you for um, giving me one of my crushes as a kid. Thank you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and oh, I'm Matt Kramer, and tonight I am. Uh, productivity kid because so i gotta oh. got, well it's not real productivity oh okay <laughs> quote unquote productivity uh, a special thanks go to david acres because he uh gave me instructions on how to uh, rip my dvds onto my ipod so at work i may be watching tv shows as i'm working <laughs> as I, I alluded to last week i got caught up on battlestar galactica yeah. up to where dvds are and now i've got ha, all seven seasons of homicide on my ipod oh. that i'm gradually working through nice Indeed. <laughs> oh i love that remind show. me to tell you my homicide story later matt oh. <laughs> okay oh yeah, no, I, I was a big fan of the show Homicide as well. It was uh, at one point they started they started uh, about midway through the uh, the fifth or sixth season they started on uh, on Bravo in Canada they started running all of them right from mm. the beginning and uh, oh it was like every, every every day it was like oh another Homicide <laughs> I just missed it at the very beginning and uh, yeah. the job I had was working a lot of nights and it when so I never got started on the show and then yeah. once I started watching it was just like wow how have I missed this. And at the beginning, I, they really moved that show around. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'd heard. Yeah. 
and uh, the second season only has four episodes in it. So it's it's kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but like I said, it's a great show. Oh, absolutely. He's got um, uh, Tom Fontana's actually got a new show starting called The Philanthropist. Hmm. Hadn't Which, heard about that. When I'd heard initial things about it, I had no interest until I heard that it was Tom Fontana. It's like, oh, that's really cool. Mm. You know, because I, 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 I tend to tend to like all the stuff that he does. So, mm. yeah, it's kind of like when I I realized at one point, uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica got a little a little different, and then I saw in the credits Jane Espenson joined the crew. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, of he's... of Buffy and Angel fame. Yeah, exactly. I mean these these things, you know, they they uh, they make they make differences. And uh, and well, and the other thing is um, that uh, the philanthropist co-stars, native of my of my uh, current hometown of Guelph, Nev Campbell. Mm. So there you go, making her return to TV for the first time since that other show. It was called Party of Five. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> that show with that guy who got lost on an island. <laughs> it gave us five minutes of very good television. <laughs> uh, there you go. And Scott Fox. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Scott Fox. Scott Wolf. Wasn't that his name? Scott, Scott Wolf. Wolf. Scott Wolf. Oh, I, was I, I, I merged him with Matthew Fox. See, I'll bet, see what happened there in my mind? I'll bet you did, Darren. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. I'm, I'm the Alexander Luthor of fantasy land. Okay, let's, let's move on, <laughs> shall we? Well, we've got an exciting tale to start us off tonight. <laughs> that's... <sighs> uh, well, that's from the a, second one. <laughs> from Adventure Comics 332. Uh, May of 1965. Uh, cover is, of course, by the team of Kurt Swan and George Klein. Or, or as the uh, cover in the uh, showcase says, number 344. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and now the, it, the, uh, the story is, the first story, of course, is the Super Moby Dick of Space. And it is written by, <laughs> written by Edmund Hamilton. And art now. This was this is interesting. This has come up on on the forum. Uh, um, uh, Matthew Almsley was asking this question actually uh, about uh, John Fort, Forte's name. Now I always pronounce it Forte, pro, mainly just I think part of it is just being a musician. And when you see the, when you see that, those letters there, mm-hmm. it's Forte. It means you play a bit louder. And um, <laughs> and so uh, he wasn't sure if it was Fort and and to be honest I've seen nothing that says anything one way or the other I think that's just uh, you know from a young age when I saw that name it's like oh it must be Forte even right. though there is no uh, no accent above the E so I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure so it may be John Fort so it's uh, to be honest information on him is is incredibly hard to find right. um, you know Cause... when when we started doing uh, the show and uh, and started trying to fill in some biographies for some of these uh, for some of these artists and and writers, um, you know, he was he was one where I I found it really difficult to find any kind of information on him. Yeah, and it, it's it's getting very near his death. Exactly, because I I believe he did die. I, they said that he worked on the Legion until his death, and right. um, so you know, as I'm looking through here. 
I think his last story is the Hunter story right before uh, Swan takes over with Computo. That's right. So, yeah, so, um, it, 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 yeah, so it, Adventure Comics 339, December of 65, it was, uh, was the last issue that, that he worked on. And, uh, and, and so, I, yeah, we are, we are getting very close to his death. And, uh, and uh, so there we have it. And, and as I say, it's just finding the information is, is, is very difficult. But you'll notice that, that actually he was doing, and, and maybe this is related, maybe it's not, but he was doing the art on his own for the most part. Um, there was the odd one where he had someone helping him with the inking. And so, like, you'll see, like, in The Revolt of the Girl Legionnaires, um, he did some of the inking and George Klein inked Chapter 2. Um, yeah. But after this story, uh, he tends to work with a different inker pretty much all the way through, whether... Um, oh, except for in The Menace of the Sinister Super Babies in 338. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, you know, he's working with either Sheldon Moldoff or George Klein on inks. So maybe that was a timing thing, you know. I'm not. I'm not sure how he died. So I don't know if he was in in poor health for a while or or what or what the scoop is. Because there is, as I say, very very little information out there about the man. Yeah, and he was only, I think he was, in his, forties. Uh, yeah, or 50. He, I, I think he was born um, for some reason. Nineteen eighteen pops hmm. up, pops into mind. Um, so he would have been, you know, maybe 47, maybe somewhere around there. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so very little information. So if anyone is able to find a source of information, uh, please let us know. Uh, you know, you can, yeah. you can let us know over on the forum at <laughs> forum.legionofsubs2podcasters.com. Yeah, if we're wrong, at least we've been consistently wrong. So, <laughs> it, 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 Well, exactly. <laughs> Good point. Um, so... <laughs> So in this issue, uh, you see on on the uh, on the cover, um, you know, and this definitely, as we said, you know, some possible spoilers for Moby Dick here, folks. Um, so you've got this space whale with with bat wings, um, eating eating a rocket ship, and Lightning Lad is zapping it with his good arm, and he seems to have a what? metallic arm. He doesn't have. Both good arms? No. What happened, Paul? I, I have no idea yet. Perhaps we will learn in this story. But he <gasps> says, I've tracked you across space, you monster. I lost an arm battling you, but now I'll have my revenge. And then Superboy flies up and says, Stop, Lightning Lad. You can't kill it. You know we Legionnaires never take life. Mm. Yes, so... All right, so the Super Moby Dick of Space, Part One, on the splash page. Um, again, we say we see him say, "Let me go." It was the Super Moby Dick who crippled me, and I'm going to have it out with him. And uh, Saturn Girl says, "No, Lightning Lad, crippled as you are now, you can't face that monster. Even Superboy can't fight him." Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Out of the mysterious depths of the universe comes this creature so awesomely mighty that it becomes the terror of all space in the 30th century. And the Legion of Superheroes faces one of the, it, the most perilous missions in its history when it goes forth to hunt down the Super Moby Dick of Space. So mm-hmm. featuring in this issue, Superboy, Saturn Girl, Brainiac 5, Colossal Boy, and Ultra Boy, and presumably <laughs> Lightning Lad. <laughs> You'd think so. You'd think, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I just keep thinking every time I read this story, they're obviously calling him the Super Moby Dick of Space, so they... No, at least the the basics behind the Moby Dick story. So 
if they're calling him Moby Dick, why do they keep going after him? Don't they know how the story ends? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so. Spoilers for Moby Dick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> published. Uh, uh, hold on. When was it published? I looked it uh, up. Hang on. First published in 1851. <laughs> There you go. So I guess we'd go to the argument about when is a spoiler no longer a spoiler? Okay, when it's been published for 150 years, sorry. We're good. It's not a spoiler anymore. We're good. And and let's face it, I mean, uh, Moby Dick's one that if, if you haven't read it yet, it's because you have no desire to. Or yeah. or never it never got assigned. <laughs> yeah, it was never assigned to you. Um, <laughs> point. And, Although and now, it does have a fanboy connection because the last lines of uh, Captain Ahab in the uh i just was reading it where are you ahab there you are his last lines are to the last i grapple with thee from hell's heart i stab at thee for hate's sake i spit my last breath at thee what's go. the geek connection uh star trek 2 yep isn't yeah it? <clears throat> the last words Khan speaks yep there we go Con. Oh, I need to watch that. <sighs> Seriously. <laughs> hey, now I've got another thing going on my iPod. There you go. There you go. Oh. So um, now here's here's something. Um, of course, Moby Dick is well noted for for its its you know some just huge use of symbolism of subtext of all these things, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that we're going to get that with this story, okay? <laughs> I know we're not going to get that with this story, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic, Darren. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I, want, sorry. I want people to read along with us. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here we have it. Uh, a rocket ship uh, comes across the unbelievable, a colossal spe- uh, space beast, something of which no one has ever seen anything like it. And he says, "Look out! It's coming right toward us!" And it grabs the prow of the sh- of the of the rocket and crushes it. So they say the whole ship will be destroyed. Take to the space lifeboats. <laughs> um, from their light bo- lifeboats, minutes later, a gas crewman see an appalling sight. Yes, it is the creature eating the metal oars that were their cargo. So they send out a distress call, and one of the Legion of Superheroes, returning from a one-man mission, picks up the distress call. And, uh, and it is Lightning Lad. He says, Lightning Lad speaking, I heard your call and will come at once. And he says, they must be exaggerating in their panic. There are matter-eating beasts, and even people with that power, like our own matter-eater lad. But no monster as huge as they say. So he gets there, and they say, well, the creature devoured all the ore and then headed toward the red asteroid in the distance. So he notifies the space guard and says, you know, they'll be here soon to pick you men up. So, um, you know, he's skeptical, but uh, as he tracks down the creature, he realizes, you know, yeah, they were right. It's enormous. He says, the thing is incredible. It's just as they described it, and it's devouring the metal produced by this small mind. I must stop it. So he goes zapping it and says, you know, it's against our Legion code to take life needlessly, but I'll use my super lightning power at a reduced force and stun the thing. Well, what happens is the bolts actually reflect back from, uh, from the beast, and the reflected bolts are, get tinged with some terrific green poison hmm, from the monster's body, racking his right hand and arm with pain. 
So he's in real pain here, and he heads, and the space beast takes off, and so he's like, I gotta follow it. So he gets into the spaceship, but the pain really, it, it, it just, it's just too much for him to take, and, uh, and so he sets the, uh, the ship on autopilot to take him back to the Legion headquarters. So uh, back at uh, at Legion Clubhouse, they they actually see the tape record. It seems it's just like in any uh, like in a in a police car where they've got the video camera thing going, right? And he says uh, they you know the Lightning Lad's ship shows that he battled a huge space monster. His whole hand and arm were somehow poisoned. So they need to work fast to save his life, and they get <laughs> Doctor Lanfear. He is the surgeon who is also the greatest authority on space-dwelling creatures. So Dr. Lamphere comes in, and he says his own reflected lightning acquired a poisonous quality from the chemically different body of the space creature. To save his life, Lightning Lad's poisoned arm must come off. So when Lightning Lad awakens, his arm is gone. Instead, he has a metal arm uh, replacing his right arm. So Saturn Girl says, well, it had to be done to save you from death. You'll learn to use that robot arm like your own. Well, he's, he doesn't seem too happy. He says, my right arm. I lost it because of that space monster. I'll have revenge for this. I'll kill that creature. And Saturn Girl's shocked. She must be using also her thought casting powers at the same time because her <laughs> eyebrows are up. And she says, Lightning Lad, you know that the Legion never take life unnecessarily. Superboy has gone to remove the creature far from all inhabited worlds. But we mustn't kill it. But Lightning Lad seems changed by this terrible experience, and uh, Brainiac 5 surmises that he may have received some subtle concussion or brain shock. He says, but he'll forget about the monster after Superboy takes care of it. So even, But even Superboy proves helpless against the Space Beast. And it turns out the monster must have eaten green kryptonite in its roamings through space, giving off radiations deadly to him, and so he can't get near it. Remember? Green tinge? Hmm? Hmm. Um, so, when the Boy of Steel returns at super speed to the clubhouse, he says Mon-El could handle the creature, but he's on a mission to a distant galaxy. Always with the distant galaxy missions. <laughs> and he says, Dr. Lanfear, what could be the origin of this monster? And he says, well, I can't say, but I fear it will de devastate space shipping the way Moby Dick did with ocean ships long ago. In this he very, uh, in this panel that's used all the time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He says he was a huge, terrible white whale who sank to, who sank many ships, and we see the whale coming out and uh, and you know cracking the ship in half. And he says until he was hunted down, Herman Melville wrote a great novel about Moby Dick. Aha! So what they're saying is that there was a real Moby Dick. Hmm. So he says already this beast, the Super Moby Dick of space. <laughs> Sorry, I have to say that again. The Super Moby Dick of space has alarmed every world in the sector of space. Listen, the government is offering $50,000 to anyone who can catch the beast that is ravaging our solar system. And all of a sudden, I'm picturing, like, uh, Austin Powers again, you know, $50,000, and, and everyone just laughs at them, like, whatever. Yeah, seriously, um, that's, that's not walking around money. Come on. <laughs> it's like, it costs that for a loaf of bread now. Come on. Um <laughs> Certain hard-boiled, tough soldiers of fortune see their opportunity in this crisis. So you've got a bunch of clearly very tough soldiers of fortune. They don't look so tough in this picture. And they're watching it on, on it looks like a big old Victrola TV. Mm. Saying, let's go after that reward. We've done tougher jobs in this, than catching this so-called Super Moby Dick. So they said, yeah, we've trapped many uh, weird planetary beasts. We can handle this one. So they prepare some bait and... Um, 
They seem to be between a bunch of uh, of asteroids, and they said, or a, a bunch of meteors. And they say, you know, these the, it'll sense these metal bars and come to devour them. We'll hide our ships behind large meteors, and when it's at the bait, we'll use our big nets. <laughs> so that's what they do. Um, the, the, it comes it comes to to get the metal bars, and they they spring this huge net around it to uh, to wrap it uh, to wrap it up. But it uses it. The Leviathan of space displays its awful strength and breaks free in an instant and nearly wrecks both of the ships. So they're like, you know, we're lucky to be alive. Let's get out of here. Meanwhile, the superheroes are rushing uh, feverish preparations. Dr. Lamphere says, I must go with you on your expedition against the Super Moby Dick. It's my responsibility. And Brainy thinks it's kind of strange that he's saying that. He says, it's strange Dr. Lamphere saying that, you see. I was right. Uh, he says, I suppose he means that as an expert on uh, space-dwelling creatures, his knowledge will be needed. Oh, perhaps there's more to it than that. Oh, there's always more to it. There always is. And uh, so uh, so some boy comes up says, I couldn't find Ultra Boy, but he left this note. He says that he's gone out against the Super Moby Dick alone. Well, you know, that makes sense considering his background with, uh, with you know, super space whales. Um <laughs> he says he shouldn't have done it. He can't face that monster, even with his Ultra Energy. Um, at this moment, Ultra Boy, who can switch his Ultra Energy into any single superpower, is using it for super speed. And it seems that they've really sort of, you know, again, making sure that we are aware of, of exactly how his Ultra Energy works. He says, Superboy can't approach the beast, and mon is away, so it's up to me. By alternately using my energy for supervision and super speed, I searched until I found the monster. Now I'll use my ultra energy for super strength. I'll need all all of it to overpower this creature. So he gets into a titanic battle with the creature, and he says the strength of this thing is terrific, and and the beating of his of his wing is stunning me. So his his uh, you know his hold is broken, and uh, and he sees the beast coming at him, and he's like his jaws are about to close on me. I must switch my energy to invulnerability, or I'm lost. So he gets swallowed, uh, you know, like you know, oh, swallowed by a whale again. <laughs> um, he says, "I'm being swallowed just as years ago. I was swallowed by that energy beast, which gave me my ultra energy. That time, Deja a galactic do. patrol cruiser saw my peril and rescued me." So they used a ray to zap him, and you know he felt strange, as though the cr- creature had charged him with with super energy. And he says, "There's no cruiser to re- rescue me now, but perhaps hammering my flashlight into this cavity on one of the Super Moby Dick's teeth will will get me out if I hit a nerve." Sure enough, that works. The beast opens its jaws in pain and anger, and he goes zapping out. He says, "That super toothache, not just a regular toothache at all. No, it was That's a super toothache." Super toothache. <laughs> Uh, it says, I switched to super speed and got out of there. I must go back and warn the Legion about what it faces. So he gets back to Legion HQ, and uh, and he gives them his report. And he said, well, we've fitted this ship with every device that w- that might help track the Super Moby Dick. Dr. Lamphere is going with us, and Brainiac 5 will be in command. Mm. Then a voice comes from uh, from behind them. No, I'll command this mission. And it's Lightning Lad. He said, but Lightning Lad, you're not well enough. He says, I'm fully recovered, and I claim this command. The Legion Constitution, Clause 14, Subclause 8, <laughs> Subclause 8 says that in an, in an emergency, whichever Legionnaire best understands the danger shall command. I know the Super Moby Dick best. I don't know. Ultra Boy kind of knows him a bit more intimately. <laughs> so, anyway, he says, according to the Constitution, he has the right to command, even though he doesn't seem to be his normal self. Surely there's another clause for that. Says, get aboard, all of you, every legionnaire to his station. We're going to blast off. 
So off they go. And he says, I can't help feeling that this is a voyage of doom, Superboy. Um, and he says, don't think that, Saturn Girl. Everything will turn out fine. You'll see. Elwin, call me Ishmael. <laughs> um, he says, but I came up here. And so uh, Lightning Lad is working away on the controls. And um, and he says, you know, I'll, I'll set the course. I'll find the monster who took my right arm. Never fear. He says, and I vow by this metal arm that I'll kill that monster, not just trap it. This duel between me and the Super Moby Dick will be to the death. All right, so part two, the cosmic quest of Lightning Lad. Um, and so you see him, uh, you know, pointing his uh, his metal arm toward the, uh, the Super Moby Dick as it streaks toward him. And he says, you made me lose my right arm, but the power in this robot metal arm that replaced it will end your reign of terror forever. So the, uh, the, the ship is headed through space and, um, and they say its captain is driven on by his thirst for vengeance. Sounds familiar. Um, he says that's the, the space beast, the Super Moby Dick, has been sighted near the asteroid Thanar. He says, by coordinating the reports of the monster, I've plotted its direction of movement. I'll catch up to it soon. So they're concerned, you know, and um, Saturn Girl's talking to Brainy, and she says, Lightning Lad has become so mentally warped by his desire for revenge that he'll risk anything to, or everything to kill the Super Moby Dick. So Brainy says there was a... He's got the space madness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Brainy says there was a concussion effect when he was crippled, and that might have affected his mind. But it should be passing away by now. But, you know, Superboy has has some similar doubts. He says, we can't let Lightning Lad break the Legion code and kill the creature. Maybe Mm. you can prevent it, Colossal Boy. And he says, I'll try, but the chance comes to use... When the chance comes to use the plan that you've just outlined... Meanwhile, Lamphere is uh, is below deck, and he's saying, uh, um, you know, everyone aboard on board may be killed when we find the Super Moby Dick, and it will be my fault. I'm guilty for everything that's happened. Mm. Mm. So the ship rushes on toward its rendezvous with Destiny, and two Legionnaires secretly de- desert the craft. And um, and so it's you know, the Superboy's thinking, Lightning Lad doesn't know we've left the ship by an emergency airlock. We may be able to avert a tragedy. So the Boy of Steel carries Colossal Boy at super speed, far faster than any ship. He says, I can see the asteroid Thanar with my telescopic vision. Its inhabitants, the mineral people, are in a panic, and it's no wonder. Yes, well, you know, it eats minerals, so. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole planet of hors d'oeuvres down there. For exactly. Him. So, so there's the there's the Moby Dick uh, flying down toward the planet, and the people are like, "Look, look out! It's the huge monster the radio alarms told of. The creature wants to devour us." Oh. So Superboy says, "I can't go near that kryptonite tinged monster. It's up to you to lead it away from our city. Remember our plan." <laughs> and no one from Bismol can land on this planet either, just yeah, in case. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Colossal Boy says, "I remember." Give me a moment to make myself huge. So he uses <laughs> his uh, superpower of increasing his size and swiftly becomes a zooming giant. And the you know the Moby Dick hasn't seen him yet, and he figures I must get it away from that city, and there's only one way. So he basically, you know, kind of just slaps the beast. He says, "So I've angered <laughs> it. Now, now I'll run, <laughs> run away." Run away, um, run away. Flee in terror. <laughs> so he says, meanwhile, Superboy is labored with his mighty super strength in the mountains near the city. 
This cave trap will hold the Super Moby Dick. I can trigger its r the release from a distance with this rope, closing the stone cage door once he's inside. This seems like a very Gilligan's Island kind of trap. <laughs> so Colossoboy acts as a decoy and leads the monster toward the trap and he says it's working out as Superboy and I planned when I've led the beast inside I'll return to my normal size and escape between the bars a few more steps will do it so just as it's about to be successful it's all working out and then Lightning Lad's arrival distracts the creature at the last <laughs> moment and it attack goes to attack the ship so um, but Super, you know, Superboy he says look out Lightning Lad but his warning is too late <laughs> That's beast, some weird lettering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the beast um, s basically slaps the uh, the rocket ship with its wing, and he says that ship will crash on on the rocks unless I catch it. So he catches it just in time, you know, just by a nose. And uh, he says, "Oh, but the Super Moby Dick is escaping back into space." Well, Lightning Lad is pissed. <laughs> Uh, so he gets off the ship and he says, "You disobeyed my orders. You tried to rob me of my vengeance by coming here ahead of me." And Saturn Girl is trying to be uh, the voice of yeah. reason. <laughs> she says, but Lightning Lad, if they hadn't done so, the mineral people would have perished and we would have crashed. She says, get back to the ship. I'll see to your punishment later. Right now we're taking <laughs> off again after the Super Moby Dick. And Superboy is just thinking, he's completely obsessed. So off the ship goes. And, um, and, 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 you know, Brainy's thinking, you know, Dr. Lamphere has been conferring secretly with Lightning Lad in the cabin and now he seems dejected, crushed. What have they been planning? And Saturn Girl says, I can't read their thoughts. Both of them keep their minds closed all the time. Wow, that's a great superpower you've got, lady. <laughs> all right. So the mystery, soon the mystery deepens, and Lightning Lad says to Ultra Boy, he says, I have something to do, but you take the controls, but stay exactly on the course I've plotted. And Ultra Boy, like a, like a, good, uh, a good spaceshipsman, says, aye, aye. I mean, he's got the pirate boots, right? So cryptic <laughs> preparations are made. And, uh, and it looks like Lamphere is making some adjustments to, uh, to Lightning Lad's uh, metal arm. And Lightning Lad said, this should give me the power to handle the Super Moby Dick. And, um, and you know, Saturn Girl's uh, you know, peering from behind uh, one of the computer banks, and she says, it looks like Dr. Lamphere is helping him prepare a terrible weapon. <laughs> so... Um, Basically, um, you know, Ultra Boy has taken a look at the course, and he says, you know, through the scope, I saw the Super Moby Dick approaching an uninhabited, uninhabited planet with many little satellites. The world of a hundred moons. It's a lot uh, of moons. That's a lot of moons. Exactly. Oh, I lost count. Um, so Lightning Lad says, then we'll land there at once. <laughs> so down they land. And they say there are metal ore outcrops here. That's why the Super Moby Dick came here to eat. He should be just over the crest. Sure enough, they sight the creature, and he's uh, you know eating. Uh, he's chowing down on the on bits of the planet, and uh, and so uh, Lightning Lad says, "Keep well away from me. This new power amplifier installed in my robot arm will increase my super lightning a hundred times. I'll use it on the monster." So Saturn Girl says to Superboy, "He's going to kill the creature needlessly. That will break our code. We have to oust him from the Legion. Try to stop him." So, you know, he basically, Superboy makes himself a, a, a human shield, um, you know, getting in between Lightning Lad and uh, the Super Moby Dick. And uh, so he says, I had to do it, Lightning Lad. I can't let you kill the thing. And uh, Lightning Lad says, Lightning may not affect you, but the monster will. It's charging you from behind. Look out. 
and of course the green K uh, uh, hits to hits Superboy, and and so he's out. And um, Lamphere runs up and says, "This is all my fault. I must save Superboy." And uh, Saturn Girl says, "You know they'll both be killed. Legionnaires, turn on your flying rings and distract the Super Moby Dick." So they all <laughs> kind of just sort of fly in circles around uh, around it. And they find that they baited away from its two victims. So let it go. And I uh, said, so, you know, Superboy will recover as soon as the kryptonite influence recedes. But Dr. Lamphere was hurt, maybe seriously. So they check on Lamphere, and he's, you know, unconscious, stunned, and injured. So they decide they've got to take him back to a hospital. So Lightning Lad says, well, Ultra Boy can carry him faster than the ship can. We're going to go on after the Super Moby Dick. I'd have already settled this thing if you others hadn't gotten in my way. So off they go. Ultra Boy is headed back to Earth with the scientist, and he says, you know, I've spotted where the Super Moby Dick went. It's that dead world far, far ahead. I'll finally catch him. Hmm. But when uh, when he gives his orders, he says, we have to go on, and they say, no, we've had enough of this mad quest of yours. We'll replace you as captain, as the Legion law allows when a commander becomes incapable. He said, we'll hold a meeting for that purpose now. So they have their meeting, and um, Lightning Lad enters one of the small space boats and says, well, since I have to, I'll go on and have it out with the Super Moby Dick alone. So here we go. Giant robots right here. Yeah, it's the world of the dead robots. These huge <laughs> mechanical giants created to serve humans revolted and drove their masters away. And then they began, uh, then um, unable to repair themselves, they gradually stopped running and died. Of course, the creature's loving this, right? Because it's all metal. So, uh, so he's feasting on them, and he and uh, and but he raises up for battle when he when he sees the uh, the legion little legion shuttle here, and he says, "I'll bail out." Lightning on says, "I'll bail out with my flight my flying ring." Sorry, not flight ring yet, flying ring, and because <laughs> um, I, I I guess the other stories with the flight rings were all uh, seagull stories. So, um, so he says, "I'll I'll bail out with my flying ring and attack the monster from above." But of course, the Super Moby Dick, much too quick for the little space boat. So he says, he smashed the boat. I'm stunned. Have to activate my flying ring or I'll be killed by the fall. So he turns on his flying ring at the last moment. And it, it breaks his fall with, with, with moments to spare. And he says, but I'm still dazed, shaken. And he's curving around me to swoop down, uh, curving around to swoop down on me. I must get up before he kills me. I must... And uh, the ship's come. It's coming at him, and the uh, the ship's coming as well. And they said, "We're too late. It's the final moment of Lightning Lad's fight with the Super Moby Dick." Look, and he uses his amplified. Uh, and they said he's using his amplified Super Lightning to kill the Super Moby Dick. It's reflecting at this at his arm again, but the poisonous bolts can't harm his metal limb. Hmm. So they said, but. So as they land and hurry to the scene, they realize, "Hey, your amplified lightning didn't kill the monster. It's only shrinking him to small size." Lightning Lad says, that's what I intended to do. You see, this is the normal size of the space beast. It had been made huge by scientific means. I said, but Lightning Lad, you seem quite normal now, as though the concussion effect that changed your character had gone away. This says it vanished soon, soon after we left Thanar. But uh, at that time, Dr. Lamphere secretly made a confession to me. He told me how in studying small space beasts, he'd experimented with one of them. And so you see Lamphere, you know, with this little projector zapping the, this little uh, little tiny uh, space beast. And he says, this little creature lives on metal and ore, but positive electrical force keeps it from growing big. 
I'll try a negative force and see if that increases it in size. And of course it does. And he says <laughs> it was disa- the, the effect was disastrously greater than he foresaw, and the huge beast escaped from his I- isolated asteroid ar- laboratory. He says, you know, this thing became colossal on, on negative force. It's escaping into outer space, and I can't stop it. And that was the guilty secret that he confessed, and he swore lightning led to secrecy. He says, because of the damage I did, I was afraid to tell of its origin. I think a powerful positive electric source uh, could make it small again. But please don't tell my, my secret until the beast is harmless. And he promises. He says, I'll devise an amplifier of my super lightning to use against it. And he says, so you see, I couldn't tell you about my plan, and you thought I was still motivated by warped hatred of the super Moby Dick. Well, he hadn't really given much reason to think otherwise, now had he? And so Superboy says, now the beast is so small, he can never endanger anyone again, and we can go back to Earth. So Lamphere's in, in bed in a, in a great advanced hospital, and he says, thanks, Lightning Lad, for conquering the danger I created. I'll always grieve, though, that you lost your arm because of me. He says, it wasn't your fault, and it can't be helped now. Um, and... Uh, the other doctor says, maybe it can be helped in time, Lightning Lad. We're planning an arm and leg bank using newly invented medical techniques. Hmm. And so Lightning Lad says that maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe someday I'll have a living right arm again. <clears throat> Wonderful. I won't mind my uh, my robot arm if I have that hope. Hmm. Well. Well. So there we have it. That's the Super Moby Dick of space. Yeah, well, one interesting thing about that at the very end is, you know, they've done some studies and they are on the verge of being able to regrow um, eyes for people who are blind yeah. from stem cells. It's pretty incredible. So this is actually one of those cases where science fiction dictated science in the future, which is kind of cool. It, it, it always is, you know, and, it, and it's interesting because, I mean, that's something that they've started doing over the last several years. You know, this is this is an option that I have when, you know, when the baby comes is, you know, do we want to uh, they, they have a whole thing of, you know, do you want to to harvest some stem cells from the uh, from the cord? And mm. uh, so the thing that we've got to do is, the, you know, basically and, and, and I've talked to friends of mine who have actually done this. And they they pay a certain amount uh, to to store these cells. And one of the things one of them said, he's like, you know, I don't really know what it can do right now, but he's like, I'm not going to take a chance on uh, on something incredible being able to happen in the future. And I didn't take advantage of the fact. Yeah. So it's it yeah, it's very interesting. And I mean, that's a that's a whole other podcast right there. But <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just interesting when you see things like this come up in science fiction. And this is you know because. Hey, Edmund Hamilton. He was he was a you know a uh, you know a hardcore science fiction writer, and right. um, and uh, and so you know we're we're seeing his more simplistic stuff in in these stories. But, oh, uh, totally. But you know he was he was very much in that of of that science fiction uh, school of thought. In in that you know you take you take what what's available and you take you speculate on what could be available and and is there something plausible about it and and that has driven. That has driven research in so many things, you know, it, the, that idea that, well, there could be something with this. And, and, and you know, I mean, there, you know, let's face it, but long before Dolly the Sheep came along, there were all kinds of stories about cloning and, uh, and, and that sort of thing uh, in, in science fiction and comic books. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Very true. All right. So which, which of you guys is taking the Civil War of the Legion? 
I'm giving it to Matt. I, <laughs> I gotta give it to oh. Matt. Lucky, lucky you. <laughs> oh, joy. <laughs> I, I will point out one thing before Matt gets started. We have a continuity error on the cover. Lightning glasses in her lightning bolts. Oh, God, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's there right. There it is. Take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, had she... Because I don't know that she'd ever really been on the cover before this, so... She's not on the cover a lot in this time frame, but yeah. she's had the feather for a while now. So, well, and, that, and that's what I mean because it's probably the first time Swan had uh, had drawn probably. her in a while. Yeah, and yeah. and, uh, and it just didn't get a memo. Exactly, it exactly. It. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, wow. there's no cloud or feather. <clears throat> yeah, nope. crazy. But oh. This is adventure number 333, the Civil War of the Legion. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, another one by Edmund Hamilton. And it has art by uh, John Forte and Sheldon Moldoff. It's uh, cover dated of June 1965. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> The cover is Superboy crying out, Forward, comrades, conquer for the glory of my homeworld, Krypton. And then if Chameleon Boy on the other side saying, Superboy got those Legionnaires to join him in this war against us. Starboy, Brainiac 5, prepare to open fire. Our new weapons will surprise them. <laughs> it also, because the best surprises are the ones that are screamed out. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but uh, that story starts out with uh, one day when Superboy visits the clubhouse of the Legion of Superheroes in the 30th century. You mean you're the only Legionnaire here, Triple Girl? Where are the others? <laughs> Several are with Monel in, uh, on a distant space mission. The rest are working on an archaeological project. I'll take you to them. <laughs> and uh, they go to an island in the. Uh, Atlantic Ocean and Phantom Girl has used her unique power of walking through solid matter to make a discovery. Deep in this rock is buried a metal tablet with strange writing inscribed on it. Superboy can get it easily now that he's here. I'll make it even easier for you, Superboy, says Lightlass, as she uh, just easily rips off the top of this rock and... uh, they can get the tablet out, and uh, it is written in uh, Kryptonian, and it reads, We of Krypton set this tablet to commemorate our war against the people of Earth. Oh, no. And then, <laughs> is this Brainiac 5? Yeah. Okay, because uh, once again, the, <laughs> the showcases. Yeah, that's, but, that's Brainiac. <laughs> But I didn't know that long ago the people of Krypton invaded Earth. Neither did I. There's no record of this in the history of Krypton. Maybe the tablet is a clever fake. And uh, Brainiac 5 says, We can soon find out at the clubhouse. Radiocarbon technique enables the past objects to be dated unerringly. And uh, they use the uh, carbon dating and... Find out that, yes, this was made millions of years ago. So, hmm, another tablet buried in the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's up with that? 
Did Johns read the um, new <laughs> showcases that came out? Or you've got to wonder, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, the Superboy decides that he's going to travel back in the past to see what is going on, since he doesn't know what. Since obviously this is a part of Krypton's history that's unknown to him, mm-hmm. and the Legionnaires say that they're going to go back, that they want to go back and help, and. Saturn Girl says that she's going to call a vote to see whether they should. And it's unanimous, except for um, Shrinking Violet, who's absent. So I don't know if you can really call that a unanimous vote. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the- she couldn't reach the leather. She's, she's too short. <laughs> she, was she was too very, worried. Yeah, she was very worried. <laughs> but. Uh, they decide that they're going to take two globes and and uh, travel. They're going to go one to ancient Krypton and the other to ancient Earth to discover this uh, what's going on. And <laughs> uh, Triplet Girl says she'll stay in case an emergency arises. And when Manel returns, I'll send him through the time barrier after you. And then they set off and. <laughs> Super, they say, uh, and we'll go to ancient Krypton. I still can't believe there was ever a war between Krypton and Earth. And they travel back in time. And <laughs> Saturn Girl says, Bes- besides you and me, we have Quasal Boy, Lightning Lad, Lightning Lad, and Element Lad. Together, we should be able to penetrate the mystery. We'll come out of the time dimension any moment. And under the red sun of Krypton, I'll have no superpowers. They missed that. Another prime opportunity for a choke. Seriously. <laughs> I don't think Edmund Hamilton's a fan of the chokes. No, no, no. it doesn't seem so. No, Siegel, that's a all about that. Yep. <laughs> choke. <laughs> uh, and uh, then they emerge in distant, in ancient Krypton. Krypton, as it was millions of years in the past, but. I see no scientific works, no great cities, nothing but a few small towns. I don't understand. So they go in for a closer look. And um, they say that the Kryptonians of this age could never go to Earth. They have no machines at all. The mystery deepens. Wait, I'll use my telepathic power to sense if anybody on Krypton is thinking about scientific subjects. And uh, she picks up some thoughts. Some someone north there that's thinking of nuclear power. And Superboy says, Impossible. These Kryptonians don't even have steam engines. Still, we'll follow our <laughs> telepathic clue northward. And uh, they wind up in the Jewel Mountains, which is a great natural wonder of Krypton. And there's some people hiding in an isolated valley. And these are well, people who are mountains being... have to be where the Jewel Kryptonite came from, you would think, right? You'd think so. And uh, are the jewels any particular color or are they just white? Uh, they're just multifaceted and look pretty, I think, is the deal <laughs> with jewel kryptonite. Okay, yeah, because in the showcases, they're just white. But um, these people are being hunted down and they're persecuted because they uh, are scientists and they're being hunted down by or uh, this this person the leader of these rebels is Zet L and 
<laughs> Superboy says, hold on, we're not here to bother you. And then he thinks, Zadel, my family name here in Krypton was the House of El. This man may be a remote ancestor of mine, or at least a relative. And he says, don't pretend to be our friends when everybody on Krypton hates us because we're scientists. You don't understand. We're not of Krypton, though I had Kryptonian ancestors. We're from another world. And uh, he says, from another world, then maybe you could help us. You see, most of the people on Krypton are fanatically anti-scientific. That's why we had to hide our project here in the Jewel Mountains. And uh, Superboy wants to know why the Kryptonians are against science. And uh, Zadel tells him of um, just when science was starting to mature on their world, there was a nuclear disaster that wrecked the whole town and killed thousands. And since that point, uh, the government has forbidden scientific research. And Superboy is thinking, hmm, old Kryptonian legend speaks of this time when science was outlawed. Though later on, things changed and Krypton became a super scientific world. Even though a couple pages back, he was extremely shocked that Krypton would ever be without science. Zadel asks them to help and... uh. Superboy reveals himself to be Kal-El, and he says, maybe I'm a distant relative of yours. And they are building a space arc to travel to uh, a new planet and start a new civilization. And all the Legionnaires help out. Uh, Lightning Lad does some uh, super welding, and <laughs> Colossal Boy... Uh, helps load up some giant lizards that are tamed to Kryptonians, and they, they're they basically big dinosaurs. And uh, the other Legionnaires are <laughs> just loading the ship with supplies, and they are going... Uh, Superboy thinks uh, that the, the Kryptonians are going to get quite a surprise when they get to Earth and gain superpowers under Earth's yellow sun. And then the day comes when they are ready to <coughs> blast off, and the tame lizards are loading up. And then Saren Girl says, and our time globe is inside the Ark, too. Let's go. And they blast off. And uh, this, <coughs> the uh, space arc then is approaching Earth. And Superboy and his comrades get a terrific surprise. Look, in this time, millions of years in the past, Earth's sun is red, not yellow. Of course, young suns are often red and turn yellow as they get older. Ooh. Thanks for that science fact. There you go. Flash fact. <laughs> <laughs> but this means on Earth, in this age, I won't have any superpowers. Neither will the other Kryptonians, nor their animals. Uh, you imagine like super dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, long as they're not escaping from a zoo. Exactly, exactly. Mm. But uh, they uh, once they land, they decide that they are going to uh, colonize Earth, and they put up the flag at Krypton, but then they declare themselves independent of Krypton. So. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, then they borrowed they, a page from the American Revolution right there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, read a from a great historical document. We men and women of Krypton, desiring a new life in which our scientific work will not be hated and persecuted, do hereby declare that our new world, Earth, is forever independent from Krypton. And yep, <laughs> but not new Krypton, though. That's something different. Yes. <laughs> we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, etc. 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 And then. Um, the Legionnaires decide they're going to uh, fly around and scout out the best location for their colony. And uh, then they see something. Look ahead. It's incredible. Oh, well, Superboy has a flight ring. So it's lucky that he brought that along. Yeah. And Saturn Girl can't believe her eyes. What do they behold for the answer? Let's go back a little and follow the other Legionnaire time globe commanded by Brainiac 5. And... Uh, this is the one that had Starboy, Lightlass, Phantom Girl, and Chameleon Boy. And when they reached the Earth in the past, they found a great city. And they want to know who is building it. And they are uh, approached by a woman. And she says, who are you strangers? Where did you come from? And Brainiac 5 understands her. And she's speaking one of the many star, langu star languages that... The Legionnaires are learned, all learned, the language of the people of the star Vroon. <clears throat> and she introduces herself as Leda Lal, and she's from that star system, and they came here to colonize the uninhabited Earth. And they are calling their uh, civilization Atlantis. Oh. They love it, but the air is a little irritating, so... <laughs> In this story, we get an origin of Atlantis, which is never used in Aquaman. Yes. <laughs> Ever. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but it's another LL. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Another one. But uh, the Legionnaires help by help out building the city. And um, the people of Atlantis are thankful, but they're coughing. And, uh, they're they're very happy that they didn't find a war, but uh, then Brainiac, excuse me, uh, Chameleon Boy is coming back, and he he'd been doing some scouting, and he saw a great ship landing near there, and it turns out that it's the other Legionnaires, and Lightning Lad says Earth isn't uninhabited as the Kryptonians saw it. Look at that city. Brainiac 5, who built it? And who's that girl with you? Superboy is thinking, whoever she is, she's beautiful. Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. way too wow. And that lad staring at me is so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> giggity, giggity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he gets older, but the, they stay at the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, I have a question for you. I got a question for you, too. Why are you still here? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. And Brainiac 5 explains what's going on. And <laughs> two strangers from different worlds and eras are mutually attracted. Would you like to see our city, Superboy? 
<laughs> if you'll be my guide, I surely would. <laughs> I'll be your guide and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then Brainiac 5 and uh, is a Saturn girl get into a little argument. And Brainiac says that but now that you know the Elanians have colonized Earth, your Kryptonian friends must leave here and go to some other world. How can you suggest such a thing? The Kryptonians made a terrific effort to get here. Why should they leave? If the Kryptonians don't leave, there will surely be a war. The Atlanteans were on this world first and will fight for it, and we, their legionnaire friends, will fight alongside them. The Kryptonians are our friends, and if war comes, we're on their side. And so... The Legion of Superheroes is riven by conflicting loyalties. Goodbye, Superboy. I I guess we'll never see each other again. I must stand with my Kryptonian friends, but I hate to become your enemy, Lady Lau. Goodbye. And part one. Um, it's there's so much drama. <laughs> <So ahead>. But as uh, part two starts out, <clears throat> in Atlantis, jor the leader, rallies the people for war. We must prepare to battle the Kryptonian invaders. Cough. Bring out all their shotguns. They can strike enemies senseless without killing them. Our legionaries will help us. We could aid them if they use deadly weapons. It's against our code. And in uh, the Kryptonian camp, they're doing the same way. Same thing, getting out stunner ray projectors. We don't want to kill the Atlanteans. Just stun them and defeat them to show them this this planet belongs to us. But uh, but there are two enemies who have no heart for this coming battle in the city of Atlantis. But not hearts in Atlantis. That's a different book. Yes. Wait a while, I was thinking, why did it have to happen this way? Why did Superboy have to be a foe of Atlantis? In the Kryptonian camp, the Boy of Steel broods on the same heartbreaking question. I can't let the Kryptonians down. They're my own people. Yet how can I fight against Lady Lau's race? Moments later, Superboy, what are you doing here? We're holding your final council of war before the attack. All right, I was just thinking, but I'll come. Yeah, he he can't fight, but all it takes is Saturn Girl uh, prodding him to come to war council. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, if you say so. She is the leader, after all. That's right. <laughs> At the council, the Atlanteans will defend their city by canals, which surround it, holding the bridges against us. But this uh, portable bridge will enable us to surprise them at an undefended point. It's not quite finished yet. I've heard their plan. I'd better get back and warn Atlantis. Uh-oh. <laughs> once, once in the for, once the forest, uh, the young Kryptonian changes to the leader of the Legion's espionage squad, Chameleon Boy. My superpower of altering uh, my appearance fooled him while I spied on them. It's lucky for me Saturn Girl didn't read my mind or she might have caught me. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, then uh, Chameleon Boy wore... 
reports to Brainiac 5. This is, I've been trying to figure out scientifically why Earth air irritates the Atlanteans, making them cough all the time. Brainiac 5, there's no time for such research now. The Kryptonian attack will come soon, and we have to help meet it. You know, elsewhere, the, uh, see the uh, Legionnaires uh, taking off, and this is where we saw them in the last story. Yeah. And they uh, are going off for uh, their special mission and zooming ahead. As scouts for the two warring enemies, Legionnaires face each other in battle. Lightning Lad, I read Brainiac 5 is planted telepathically. They're going to fly uh, suddenly to our right and get behind us. And Lightning Lad says, I'll keep hurling super lightning toward the right. It won't hit them, but it'll ruin their plan. But, uh... A civil war within the Legion rages across the sky as uh, Starboy uh, takes out uh, Element Lad and Saturn Girl is flying after Phantom Girl. And uh, then uh, Superboy uh, captures Brainiac 5 and is going to take try to take him prisoner. And Brainiac 5 says, try it. You forget I'm as strong as you are under this red sun. And as the Legion scouts clash above, the Kryptonian attackers reach Atlantis. We can't cross the canal. Use your shotguns to knock them out. Fight, men, for Atlantis. Press forward, men, for a new Krypton. Uh-huh. Mm. In a moment, uh, we'll have a way to cross the canal. And then Quassel Boy shows up and uh, plunks down a bridge. And the uh, Kryptonians storm on as a light last makes the bridge super light. And uh, they overturn the bridge. And meanwhile, Saturn Girl, using her telepathic power, has sensed a menace far behind the Kryptonians. Quick, I've sensed a Phantom Girl got behind our lines by walking through solid Earth and is creating a danger from our rear. (laughs) 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 I'm with you. Come on, lightning lad. Yeah. Cover your rears. And uh, Phantom Girl is uh, causing the dinosaurs to uh, panic and stampede the Kryptonian invaders towards the Kryptonian invaders. And uh, then the colossal beasts break out of the forest in their panic. So turns out that animals don't just break out of zoos and circuses. They also no. break out of forests. There you go. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> And the dinosaur stampede has to be stopped. Without super strength, I can't halt it. But you can, Lightning Lad. I'll try. As he uh, shocks at them and uh, turns them back. As <laughs> And then Quasa Boy gets one of them in a chokehold. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's in a chokehold. Yes, uh, a chokehold. <laughs> and uh, then the Kryptonians are forced to uh, retreat and they're carrying some of their wounded but then they discover that the, the uh, Atlanteans shock guns didn't shock the Kryptonians they killed them and uh, Zadel then rallies the, the troops if that's how the Atlanteans want to fight so be it we'll prepare a weapon that will destroy Atlantis and Saturn Girl is saying Superboy I can't believe our comrades would have ally themselves with killers. There's surely some explanation. 
Superboy looks pretty annoyed here. He says, Saturn girl, I'm going to make my way secretly in Atlantis and find the truth. If this war is to cost more lives, it should be stopped. Without superpowers, you'll risk terrible danger, so be careful. I can sense another reason for going in in his thoughts. Mm, he's... <laughs> I wonder what that reason could be. One track mind. <laughs> As Superboy slips through the night and begins his secret mission, I not only have to find out the Atlantis, Atlantean's secret plans, I, I must see Lady Lau again. And Superboy is swimming and someone's trying to shock him. He says, ow, my right arm is hit. It's numb, useless. I must get undercover. But... He doesn't then just swim in a big circle <laughs> with a useless arm. <laughs> but he uh, climbs into a uh, storm drain that uh, conveniently leads him right to Lady Lau's room. <laughs> and <laughs> under the shadow of a world ca- catastrophe, the two young people forget all but themselves for a moment. And elsewhere in the city, Brainiac 5 has discovered an unexpected menace. Jor Lao, I found out why the Earth air irritates you Atlanteans so badly. The element Xenon in this atmosphere is poisonous to you and will kill you in time. Then we're doomed, for for we can't return to Vroon from whose cruel tyrants we fled. And... uh, the brilliant mind of Brainiac 5 suggests an alternative, and after he's explained it to Chameleon Boy, artificial evolution could make you Atlanteans water dwellers. If you sank your city into the ocean, you could live undersea. Chameleon Boy is changing himself to show you what it'd be like, and he looks very odd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Odder than usual. Yes. It's better than, than all of us perishing. perishing. We'll, we'll do it. We'll become mermen. And uh, but meanwhile, the infuriated Kryptonians have prepared a mighty weapon. To revenge our dead comrades, we'll destroy Atlantis. Prepare our atomic missile for launching. And uh, Siren Girl is thinking that she's got to uh, war in Atlantis. Superboy is there. And so I thought cast to him. Superboy, a Kryptonian missile is about to be fired at this Atlantis. War in the city. And Superboy receives the message. And uh, decides that he's going to do his best to prevent the disaster. And later, as day breaks, a messenger of death is suddenly halted as Superboy uh, flies off and grabs the missile and takes it where it can explode harmlessly. So if we, he probably uh, is going to throw it into the sun. <laughs> or is that just Superman 4? <laughs> oh, you had to bring that oh, up. That's funny. Uh, and, uh, maybe maybe he'll get that wall of Great Wall of China repairing vision. <laughs> <laughs> Only if he circles back around the earth before it ever happened. <laughs> uh, but then he might lose his powers for Lois Lane and get beat up by some uh guys in a bar or a restaurant. <laughs> and get her pregnant. Way to go, mom and pa, to teach someone family planning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, Superboy uh, s- saves the day, and the Atlanteans say, Superboy has saved us. I knew he would. But how can Superboy have superpowers when Earth's sun is red? It's impossible. 
Inconceivable. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> uh, and the impossible is explained. And Monel, as Monel and Triplicate Girl show up, and uh, Monel says, "Right, and just in time for my super hearing to pick up a girl's voice begging Superboy to save Atlantis. I borrowed his costume to make it seem he caught the missile." And Brainiac 5 explains what's going on to Zadel. He says the Atlanteans didn't mean to kill anyone, and their shotguns only stunned them. But because the Kryptonians are different, it was deadly. And uh, the Atlanteans are becoming adapted to undersea living. And uh, Zadel then says, then there need be no further war between us, as the uh, Legionnaires use their abilities to help sink Atlantis. Um, wait a while. Says goodbye, Superboy. Goodbye. I'll never joke. See her again. So uh, <laughs> the LLs exist in the Atlanteans. Ah, but Lori Lamaris. Yeah. There well, they go. said that this is one of her ancestors. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. Here's here's something. Again, once again, we have the whole idea of. Of Superboy's lost his powers under a red sun, so Monel takes his place. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, this is this has happened before, and I mean, I, I again, yeah. I thought uh, Monel was similarly powerless under a, under a red sun. He doesn't share the weakness the weakness to Kryptonite, obviously, but he does share the whole red sun thing. Yeah, but this is so. This is a couple of times that was used in a in a storyline a little while back, and the the part I find really funny is again where he says that he borrowed Superboy's costume. So, in the meantime, what was Superboy wearing? <laughs> oh, Nothing. he was alone with uh, Lena Lena Lena. Lena. whatever. Yeah, so maybe the costume was sort of sitting off to the side. Yeah, in a little Chicken in a little pool cow. at the foot of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he is Lori Lamaris as this. Distant, oh, distant. Oh, <laughs> creepy. Her great, 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 great granddad. Yeah. Very <laughs> Slash boyfriend. Yes, exactly. Slash boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> but, That's a drama um, episode where Fry goes back in time and becomes his, his grandfather. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, then the Legionnaires uh, start to depart for Earth, or depart for their own time again. And uh, Zadel says that he's going to uh, write a plaque to commemorate this war. And uh, Superboy notes a location of where this is all uh, happening, and he's going to check it out when he gets back to their time. And when he returns to the... 20th century hey. <laughs> and digs down to the long buried crypt he finds it's their last inscription and it reads after the war there were too few of us left our great tame lizards became wild and attacked us our colony is perishing so that was their fate but I'll <laughs> never forget the lost colony <laughs> of Krypton it's so great that we helped them get eaten by dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> Uh, crunchy, munchies, and, and, and crunchies. If you want to learn more about Atlantis, we had the Atlantis Chronicles by Peter oh. David. 
with uh, with that beautiful Esteban Moroto art. Oh, yeah, I loved that series. Or or for how Atlantis was really sunk. There's the Obsidian Age from JLA. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I've never read that though. Yeah, well, it's ironic. <laughs> you so, know, like a fly in your Chardonnay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, I don't I've think that actually word means she thinks it means yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have actually managed to uncover some details on John Fort, and I say John <laughs> Fort because uh, Matthew is correct; it is pronounced Fort. And uh, I thought to myself, where could I check information on Legion creators? Oh, how about the Legion Companion from Two Morals Publishing, written by Glenn Cadigan? That we all own. That we all own. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. So anyway, um, so John Fort, and it, it says here, pronounced Fort, was born on October 6, 1918 in Rockaway, Long Island, the oldest son of working class parents. So they get through a little bit of his uh, whole thing. He was always artistic and not very athletic. He smoked a pipe, did not drink, and had a habit of wiggling his eyebrows. Um, like Saturn girl <laughs> exactly that's where that comes from so uh, they, they get into some of the illustration he did he did a lot of illustrations for sci-fi pulp magazines like future science um, and then he got into comics and um, and and really had did quite a bit um, his first known work for DC comics however was a story called my angry heart in girls romance number 26 uh, date cover dated April May of uh, 1954. And it said this was the beginning of a long-standing relationship with DC, for whom he worked on such features as Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, Tales of the Bizarro World, and Superman. And then, of course, they said that his ultimate achievement would be his artwork on the newly created Tales of the Legion of Superheroes feature, which began in uh, Adventure Comics 300, and which he drew until the time of his death. Um, so they talk about characters such as Matarita Lad, Lightning Lass, Element Lad, and Dream Girl, who made their first uh, appearances during Fort's run, as did the entire Legion of Substitute Heroes. But here's the here's the sad part of it, and it is, uh, they said, what has uh, not been known before now is the fact that Fort had been fighting a losing battle with colon cancer since late 1963. Mm. And mm. he was hospitalized for surgery on at least two occasions, the first being in late summer 1964, and and of course we know what timing that was. That's the stories that we did in in uh, in, in last week's episode and and the week before, which were drawn mm. which were drawn by Jim Mooney because he was hospitalized for surgery, and so they said that which would coincide with him not drawing adventure comics from number three twenty eight until three thirty two. His second and final surgery came in June 1965, after which time, due to ill health, he never drew or painted again. They get into in the in the uh, in the article, and again, folks, if you if you haven't picked this up, uh, you know, head on over to tomorrow's and and, and order it. It's a it's a great book. Um, Definitely. And uh, so they said, after which time, due to ill health, he never drew or painted again, and he died on May 2nd, 1966, at the age of 47. Wow. Um, in, in, in tribute, uh, it says here, many years later, Fort's name would be incorporated into Legion continuity as the Science Police Research Facility on Fort Hill in Legion Number 1 uh, from December 2001 and um, the Fort District in Legionnaire Zero uh, from October 1994. It says, coming from a lifelong Legion fan, there's probably no greater tribute to a creator than to be remembered in this way. 
And mm. um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. They talk a lot about uh, just the kind of uh, illustration that he did and how he was really into painting and uh, and they show some art samples and uh, some very cool stuff. So uh, so there we go. That's a bit more detail on uh, on on John Fort. And now I'm I'm totally cleared on the name and hopefully I'll remember because I still look at it and it's like it's like must say Fort <laughs> must say Fort. Um, and uh, yeah, so there we go. So yes, you know, if I had only checked this book, which has been sitting on my shelf right behind me all that time, <laughs> I will make sure w- when we get to uh, to Kurt Swan that I do uh, uh, definitely uh, pull from that from that article as far as, uh, as as giving a bio. But I think it's a lot easier to find information about Swan as well, uh, without a mm. doubt. Um, of course, uh, you know the. I mean, the Civil War story. It's like we say, it's 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 stuff that you know, yeah, and and we never spoke of it again. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he'll never yeah. forget. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but but you know, rather than than, so so then why is it that when he met Laurie Lamaris, he didn't say, "Wait a second, you remind me a little of 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 uh, you remind me a little of this." Uh, this mermaid that I got it on with uh, way back in uh, in Earth's past. <laughs> remember, Simon Girl puts in the mental block so he doesn't remember the future. Well, this ah. is true, and and that, yes, which which became very convenient, didn't it? <laughs> yes, plugged up a lot of plot holes, didn't it? Exactly. So uh, so so there we have it. So here we are. Uh, you know, we're we're, we're barreling through this uh, this adventure run. I can't believe looking at this short uh, this showcase we're getting close to halfway. Yeah. So, so there we have it. So, uh but we may from time to time take a little break and a little divergence from the uh uh from the showcases to uh to to bring you some more modern stuff. And who knows when that'll happen. Hint. <laughs> well, well, you know, because it could be when uh, when Legion of Three Worlds uh, number five comes out, episode one hundred. Gotta give them a break sooner than that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so there we have it. So, uh, unless anyone anyone else got anything? Nope. Mm-hmm. I we're think good. we're good. Okay. So that's uh that's that's another one put to bed. Uh comments as always are welcome at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can join us at the forum and uh and and join the conversation that's going on. Start a new part of the conversation. Uh read read Darren's uh Legion story, the deboot. And uh so all these things you can do on the forum, and that's at forum.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. Or you can head on over to the website and comment on the episode threads there at legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. And with that, we head into the time bubble, back to the 21st century, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>